Hello, ladies and gentlemen, this is Hollywood Matt Connolly. Welcome to the People We Meet podcast. Enjoy the show. I hope you learn a lot about arm wrestling and the AWE, arm wrestling entertainment. Why do they call you Hollywood? Uh, well, I gave myself that new name, uh, <laughs> which is, so everyone in the arm wrestling club that I run, which is the SA Titans arm wrestling club, uh, I was doing a lot of video content, a lot of video editing, and I started giving people nicknames. Uh, mm. And I would sit there for ages thinking, like, a certain person, usually nicknames will come naturally. Like, it'll be a characteristic about that person, or maybe the way they look, or maybe something they said, or and something that's common throughout arm wrestling. Uh, I don't think so. Okay, <laughs> I oh. think it, I think it's just something that I you guys. Yeah, well, I, I just wanted to do it because. It started out, I think one of the guys had a nickname and then when I was editing the video, it was like, well, he's got a nickname and I'm like, well, he's the opponent. You can't just be like, you know, Greg versus the Viking. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just, yeah. uh, so I was like, oh, well, I'm, let me come up with a nickname for everybody. Uh, and I, I remember going through lists of like, you know, um, what am I going to call myself? Yeah. Well, not just myself, but for everybody that was in the club, uh, and usually some characteristic will stand out and like with the Viking, like that's Tim Graham and he's got a very, you know, classic Viking look with the beard and the, and the hair and that sort of thing. And it's mm. like, oh, that's, that's easy. That's an easy one. Mm. But for me, it was like, oh, what am I going to do? And I did, I wanted to have something that was, uh, you know, related to, to me and what I do. But it was like, you know, the classic rule is you can't give yourself a nickname. But it's like, yeah, but I'm the one doing all the editing. Like, no one else is going to do it. Mm. And if they do, they're probably going to give me something stupid. <laughs> <laughs> and they were trying to push the marshal for a little while ah, because okay. I was the COVID marshal for the, the, the club. Um, and I was like, that wouldn't have been a good nickname. No, I didn't like it. No. And, and then yeah, Tim still, Tim used to run the club, but, uh, he now studies full time, but, uh, he was, he, every now and then he'll still say, ah, you know, the Marshall thing. <laughs> it's like, it's not, it's not going to happen. But yeah, with Hollywood. So, um, yeah, I do a lot of acting work as well. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, um, I'm sure these guys ever seem to realize that that's the, the correlation between the two. And You've got a voice for it. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cheers. Uh, so yeah, I've done 65 films, um, over the last 20 years. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. But I mean, none of which anybody would have ever seen. Uh, they're all, well, the majority would be, you know, local independent stuff. There's a lot of student stuff in there. Um, but there has been professional work as well and it always just sort of gets mixed in. Uh, I don't do a lot of the, um, unpaid work these days because I'm just busy doing other things. Uh, but when I first started, that was, that was, I was doing you know, three or four things at a time just to get experience, get in front of camera and doing characters and, you know, learning scripts and all that sort right. of thing. Yeah. Is that from a young age? Yeah. From 19. Yeah. So I'm 41 now. So it's been a long time. Yeah, well, that's what I thought. Yeah, so we have one of the guys who lives in Melbourne. uh, His name's Jake Ward, and he's got a channel called uh, The Aussie Arm Wrestler. And uh, I don't think he's ever sort of uh, picked up on the fact that I I call myself that because of the acting work that I do. 
there is another very famous arm wrestler in uh, in that world, um, and his nickname is Hollywood as well. And uh, I, I didn't know that when I when I picked my nickname. Oh, <laughs> and uh, they're like, oh, you can't have that. This guy's already got that name. And I was like, oh, there could be two two people with that name. And I'm like, I'll never meet that guy anyway. And then I was on a podcast with that guy like a month later. <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> So that was unexpected, but mm. yeah, it was funny. But yes, Jake Ward, he's always like, you got to change your nickname. And it's like, no, no, I'm happy with it. Mm. Yeah. yeah, well, that's the main thing, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Have you been to Hollywood? I have, actually. Mm. Yeah. It was funny. I went through, uh, when I got married, we went to Las Vegas, uh, which was awesome. Vegas is awesome. And we were only there for three days, and man, you'd need at least a month to see all the stuff that's there. Was, mm. There was so much there. It was insane. Uh, even just in the casino we were staying in, there was three stadiums, and it, it is enormous. It's the size of uh, like three Marion shopping centers. It is absolutely massive. And that's just one casino mm. out of you know however many there are on the Strip. Uh, and we were there for three days. We saw the UFC. We, um, you know, saw some shows and, and did all sorts of things. Uh, and then we went over to LA afterwards. And we spent 11 days in LA. Uh, it was funny though, when we got off the plane and we were getting, I think we got a shuttle bus or something to our hotel. And the driver goes, Oh, where are you, where are you guys from? And uh, he said, Oh, I'm from Australia. And he goes, Oh, you're here to see the Hollywood sign, are you? And, uh, we go, Yeah, yeah. And he goes, You'll be disappointed. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> Such a weird thing to say. But it was, actually. It was like, it was cool to see the Hollywood sign. That was cool. But LA was, uh, yeah, not, mm, it just had this air of danger, you know, and mm. everyone felt sort of scared of each other. Mm. Uh, yeah, the areas that we went to, I mean, there were the you know, classic areas, Venice Beach and, uh, you know, Hollywood and all the rest of it. But yeah, they, they weren't the nicest places to go. Mm. So yeah. Was, isn't that funny when you grow up thinking it's the place to be? Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Yeah. Even the, you know, the boardwalk and so the Hollywood, uh, walk of fame and all that, it just felt very tacky and yeah, it just felt like Heinley street really. Mm. Um, yeah. So were you, were you Hollywood then? Uh, no, no, not, not okay, then. Right. I was going to say, <laughs> did you get a, picture of your muscles in front of the sign <laughs> i should have uh, that yeah. would have been good yeah. i did that at uh we went for a family holiday up in queensland in the gold coast recently okay. uh, and they have movie world and yeah. they had a hollywood like a pretend hollywood yeah. one there i did yeah. it. i did it for that one yeah. <laughs> what do your kids think about it uh the, having this personality i don't think they're interested no <laughs> no not at all what's dad doing in his back shed? yeah that's it i, I don't think that they're in any way, shape, or form, care at all about what I do. Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not not interested. But um, too I mean, busy on their devices. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. I don't think that they they sort of grasp exactly what I'm doing. So, mm. um, well, it would appear that you're doing a lot. Yeah, I'm trying to. Mm. <laughs> well, what is the AWE? Yeah, so that's Arm Wrestling Entertainment. That's what that stands for. So it's a uh, a promotion. So myself, Dave Stockbridge, and Ryan Bowen, who I was talking about before. Uh, so Ryan's in Queensland, and Dave Stockbridge, I do another podcast with. Uh, we met through arm wrestling. Uh, surprise, surprise. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we saw the opportunity to 
well, Dave and I always had ideas of how promotions could do things better. Uh, and Ryan is a very high level arm wrestler in the world of, of arm wrestling. He's an international um, star and he has, as I said before, 100,000 subscribers on YouTube. He's a very big following. He's been in the sport for over 10 years. And he was going to have a match against an American guy. And he'd put a video out saying, uh, the American guy's name is Chance Shaw. He said, um, Chance Shaw, I, I will pay to fly you out to Australia to have this match. And I want to have it in Brisbane. And, you know, and, and Dave and I thought, I wonder if we could get him to come down to Adelaide and we could do it here. Mm. Uh, one of Dave's friends uh, runs uh, a combat sports organization, um, Diamondback Fighting. And they were putting a big event on. Uh, a, it's like a big combat sports event where there was 20 different combat sports all happening at the same time uh, in, in Norwood Oval. And he had asked us to come along and do the arm wrestling, which we had done the year before. And uh, we, Dave and I thought, oh, I wonder if we could get Ryan to come down and we could do it at, at this Apex Sports Festival. Uh, and we reached out to Ryan. We practiced this pitch and, you know, all this sort of thing to, to try to convince him to come over and do this match here. Uh, and then he was just so busy all the time. He could never like get on the phone with us because he's like, oh, yeah, sorry, I'm going to have to reschedule that. And then in the end, we, we just sent it by a text. <laughs> we just said, hey, we, you know, can, and then he said, that sounds great to me. It was like, oh, okay, awesome. And so because he was going to be coming down, it was like, I wonder what else we could do with this rather than just having that as a main event, which is a mm. great main event. It's like, let's try to get, the top guys in the country to come along as well. And so we reached out to, uh, you know, the, the top ranked guys throughout Australia and, uh, the majority of them said, yeah, that'd be great. And so we built this card and we started, you know, an organization and we started working with Ryan and came up with, you know, ideas as to, well, let's, let's make this a real thing. And so we created AWE and then, yeah, we started building all the content and all the rest of it. And, yeah, brought this whole organization and structure together. So there was nothing here beforehand in Adelaide? Mm, so we've got the SA Titans Arm Wrestling Club, which is one that I run up at Kilburn every week. But in terms of competition, there is another federation. Um, but they have sort of, it feels to me like the other federation had grown to a certain level and then sort of stopped. Mm. <laughs> and I was the representative for the state for this other organization but there was not a lot happening with it. There was no real like push from them to, Hey, this is, you know, we're going to uh, assist you with these things and here's some structure and here's the rules we want you to follow. And here's, um, here's tables and here's banners and here's how you do these things. It was, there was none of that. It was, I think it, they still run under the fact that because they were the only one around prior to AWE, it is very much a, a voluntary sort of thing and each person, each rep in each state sort of just does their own thing and mm. then they put it under the banner of this other organisation. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, so it's not that they're sort of funding everything and then pushing all of this um, arm wrestling into certain areas. It's just that they, they're there and mm. no one else was. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. When I saw you at the local gym doing a demo, that's like the first time I'd really thought that arm wrestling was a thing. Like really, <laughs> you arm wrestle with your brother to win a bet. That's the kind of it. Yeah, but yeah. There's, 
it seems like a pretty big uh, business. Yeah, absolutely. And there's a lot to it. There's a lot to it, absolutely, yeah. Mm-hmm. It, there's so much with technique, uh, how to move your wrist, position your elbow, your speed, your power, the, the style that you choose. Uh, there's many, many things, and it's it's almost like jujitsu in a way where it's like a bottomless pit of, of technique. You know, there's for something that can be over in yeah. a second. Yeah, yeah, or less than a second yeah, sometimes. Yeah, yeah, it's incredible. Uh, some guys are just so fast, and but they're watching the referee's mouth for that go sound, and as soon as that sound goes, they're, they're mm. and they're pinned before the guys finish the word. <laughs> Not to mention if you've walked in and your uh, your opponent's named the Viking. Yeah, that's right. That's part of it too, it I is. guess. That the is. Intimidation. That, well, yeah, that's what makes it fun. So that's one of the reasons I wanted to give everyone a nickname was, mm. you know, I'm a big fan of, of uh, UFC and of um, when I was a, a kid and a teenager of the wrestling, the WWE. Okay. You know, it was WWF when I was a kid, yeah. but WWE now. Yeah. And they have all these characters and everyone's got, mm. you know, it's the undertaker or it's mankind or it's Stone Cold Steve Austin or it's the rock or, mm. you know, you've got a nickname, a personality, and it's much easier to remember somebody by that nickname than it is trying to remember Steve and Paul and Tim and Mark, you know, mm, it's totally. like, oh, and we get that quite a lot where people come along to the club for the first time and they may have watched like a lot of the content that I've put up and they'll come in and they'll be like, oh, that's that's the engineer or that's the Viking or that's Sledge or that's, you know, it's like, oh, you've obviously watched the stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but they don't know who their real names are, but it's easy to remember, you know, Sledge or, um, yeah, the Viking or, or... So there's a lot of showmanship there's, prior to even getting to wrestle. <laughs> there's not really... It, it depends on the person. So if, if you do get some people that are very charismatic and they, they put on a big performance, a big show, uh, and they might trash talk in their opponent and that sort of thing, the, probably the most famous arm wrestler in the world, Devin Larratt from Canada, he is famous for doing exactly that. He'll trash talk his opponent. He has, you know, he'll make content. He'll make funny videos. And on the stage, you know, he's, he's talking to his opponent as they're setting up. He's talking to his opponent. During the match, he's talking to his opponent. You know, so... Those elements make him very, very interesting to watch. Mm. Uh, there are a lot of very, very good arm wrestlers from from Europe, from Eastern Europe in particular, uh, that are very stoic and very much don't have a lot to say. So they're more serious about oh, it yeah. as a sport. That's right. Yeah, they, yeah there's, there's definitely a, a stark contrast between the Western and the Eastern styles of arm wrestling. Mm. Um, our style that, that we're running with at the AWE is that we really push the entertainment side of it um and we're looser on the rules as opposed to the very very strict rules that they run with uh it's called WAF, the world arm wrestling federation that's more of the european style and for me personally watching WAF matches is incredibly boring most matches end in fouls there's okay. hardly ever any actual arm wrestling <laughs> It's very frustrating to watch. Most matches would go 10 plus minutes oh, to okay. be able to actually get them started. Uh, yeah, it it's exhausting to watch it, and that's as an arm wrestling fan. So mm. for other people that are potentially watching this for the first time... They, well, it's no wonder it's not in people's field of view if, it's, right. if that's the case. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, that's how it feels. You know, if you showed, if I, if I showed you three WAF matches within the halfway through the first one, you'd be like... 
Ah, this is boring. Mm. It is. It's boring. Mm. It's supposed to be, uh, uh, you know, an incredible battle of strength and, and technique and skill, which is decimated by these incredibly rigid rules that they've got. Mm. So, yeah, those matches are, are just boring to watch, whereas what we do is we allow for certain, you know, it, you've got to keep your elbow on the pad, the elbow pad. But in a lot of cases during a match, your elbow might just pop up for a second, like, you know, like, like 10 millimeters, mm. uh, you know, it's up and down and in and the match continues in Europe, they'll be like, that's a foul stop the match, okay. restart everything, get everyone set up all over again. Uh, you know, whereas mm. for us, it's like, no, there was no advantage gained from doing that at all. So, so apply a bit of common sense here. Absolutely. We're here for fun. Everyone wants to see that. I want to see an arm wrestle. Mm. That's what, mm. it's arm wrestling. I don't want, yeah, that's what's frustrating with these, these other changes that happen with the, the European style is these matches just keep restarting mm. and somebody will get a foul for, for a micro elbow foul or a micro this. And it's like, you can't even see the foul. Not, nothing was gained advantageously. And now they're restarting again. And then the restart takes ages because that's where they do all the setting up and the, this and that and moving around. And then they finally actually go and then they just slip and <laughs> then they put the strap, they strap their hands together. And then that takes another. And you're like, Oh God. <laughs> and then they'll start again. And then somebody else will foul. And it's like, start them again. It's like, there's like seven slow starts here. So yeah. But in spite of that, it's still popular. It's, yeah, it, it's funded by the governments over in Europe. So you can be uh, like a state-sponsored arm wrestler and actually receive funding and make a decent living. Mm. Um, you know, you, you'd still be working, but you do get a benefit from that. Whereas here in Australia and in the rest of the world, um, in the US and everywhere else, it, it's very much... Uh, seen as you, know, you you are investing your time and money into it there's there's mm. no no benefit apart from what the promotion can offer you yeah okay mm. what made you get into it uh i had watched a documentary a few years prior to ever trying arm wrestling uh and it's about the greatest arm wrestler that, that's ever lived who's still alive and competing today uh john brzink who's an american arm wrestler who's not a massive guy. He's probably between 90 and 100 kilos, so decent size, but he is destroying guys that are 150, 160 kilos and has done for 40 years. And I think he holds a record or a Guinness record of... uh, He was unbeaten for something like 28 years in a row, (laughs) which is just incredible. Uh, So I watched this documentary, which was following uh, three people. So I was following John Brzezink, it was following an American called Travis Bajan, who's a very charismatic, very much a trash-talking, loud-mouthed, you know, arrogant, uh, but very entertaining guy. Uh, and then a very serious uh, Russian guy, uh, Alexei Vavoda. So I followed those three men as they were leading towards uh, a world championship tournament called the mm. Zloty Tour. And it sort of showed the different um, times in their lives. And John was looking towards retirement, Alexei Vavoda was very much committed to wanting to beat John because John was his hero. Uh, and Travis Bajan just wanted to conquer everything. And, you know, he, he's a very funny guy. He, he says a lot of funny things. He says, King Kong's got nothing on me. You know, he's... <laughs> uh, but he is a, a very, very good arm wrestler. So followed those three guys 
And documentary was, was really interesting. It did explain some of the techniques and, and that sort of thing with arm wrestling. Uh, and I hadn't really seen it or heard anything about it. Probably three or four years later, I was in Melbourne and they had, I don't know if they still do it, but um, so Arnold Schwarzenegger has uh, an expo in uh, America called the Arnold Expo. And in Melbourne, they were running a version of that as well. So it was the Arnold Expo and Arnold would attend the, the event as well. I don't know if they're still doing it post-COVID. Was he an arm wrestler? Uh, Arnold? Arnold? Yeah. Um, I think uh, when I read his autobiography, he talked about, you know, arm wrestling and, and fighting in beer halls in Munich mm. and stuff yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. Um, which, which, is that what, that's the um, idea that you conjures up in your mind when you think about arm wrestling, isn't right. it? Right. Yeah, very much a, a beer pub mm. sport. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Something that you do, you know, over, over a... You're sitting on a bar stool or something yeah, like the, that. <laughs> the more drunk you get, the funnier it is. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. yeah that, that's, uh, that's one element of it. Um, and then you've obviously got the competition style. But so I went and I attended the, the expo in Melbourne, um, which was tremendous. I, I, I'm not sure if they're still doing it, but they had a whole bunch of different sports sort of all happening in this, in this massive big, um, show house and there's bodybuilding going on there was i think there was pole dancing happening as well and there was uh you know supplement stuff and there was power lifting and then you walk around the corner there's strong man and you walk over here and then there's uh a bicep curl competition and there was all all sorts of things going on Mm -hmm. and then uh we were sort of walking through looking at everything i came around the corner and then there was arm wrestling and i was like oh arm wrestling i remember this from the documentary and I was watching for a few minutes, uh, and then one of the guys like looked up and saw me, and he's like, "Come over, come and have a go, man." And I'm like, "Oh, all right." He's like, "Come on." Like you did recently at the local gym. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. So his name is uh, Tom Uglacia, who's, who's still an arm wrestler today, and and one of the featured um, representatives uh, in Queensland. So they'd all sort of converged to Melbourne, the majority of, of the arm wrestlers in the country. I think they'd run a tournament at the same time, but uh, they were putting on a demonstration and anybody that was coming up, same as what I was doing in the gym. Um, and so I met Tom and he showed me, same as what I did with yourself and with uh, other people when I do demonstrations, you know, just how you do it and, you know, all the rest of it. And he said, where are you from? I said, from Adelaide. And then he called Tim over. He goes, Tim, this guy's from Adelaide. And uh, Tim said oh what's your name and added me to facebook straight away and then oh, when i go back to adelaide i i I'd looked at the facebook um group but the training they were doing was way on the other side of the it was all the way up in salisbury which is you know like, a long way yeah mm. and i was like ah i don't know it's a long way i don't really know what i'm doing i don't really know anything about this thing and so i'd left it for maybe three months uh but i was in the facebook group and then there was a post that popped up that Devin Larratt, who I was talking about before, the trash talking, the most popular arm wrestler in the world, was coming through Adelaide. He was putting on seminars around the country. And I was like, oh, I've got to go see that. This is going to be incredible. Uh, I'm not going to miss out on that opportunity. But he was out in the bloody Barossa Valley somewhere. Okay. It was like two and a half hours drive. And uh, I remember when I was driving up there, my wife rang and she's like, you're going where to do what? <laughs> With who? <laughs> like, arm wrestling. What do you mean arm wrestling? With, uh, yeah, so, but anyway, I went up there and met all the guys from the, the club and they said, you know, why don't you come? We do training every week. Uh, and at that time, it was on Tim's driveway. <laughs> and there was only maybe five or six people that, that were turning up regularly. 
Uh, so I did start going up there um, and was there for maybe two or three months. We were doing the training on the driveway uh, and then we managed to get into a community centre. And since we moved into the community centre, uh, Tim started studying full-time at uni and he said, look, I'm, I'm really flat out. Uh, do you want to take over running the club? And I said, yeah, absolutely. And as soon as we did that, uh, I was like, I wrote all these goals and list of these are the things I want to do with the club. Uh, I want to name the club. So immediately, you know, let's call it the Titans, uh, made shirts, made content, built websites, wrote profiles for everybody who was in the club, started pushing all the Facebook content, uh, organizing events and demonstrations. Meanwhile, your wife thinks you're going mad. <laughs> yeah, that's right. She's like, what's going on? Uh, so, well, she'd, she'd had a go at it. At least at that point, she knew that it was a real thing. But uh, yeah, and then managed to grow the club from, I think it was about five or six people that when, when I first started. Uh, and now we regularly get about 40 people, 40 okay. to 50 to come along. So yeah, yeah which is awesome. And you know, people sort of cycle in and out. And the same with you know every sport or hobby, mm. you'll get people that get into it for three or four months and then they'll disappear. And then they might come back a year later or yeah. you know, you've got the diehards that are every, every week and that sort of thing. But yeah, so I try to raise as much awareness of the sport as I can, you know, so I do the demonstrations as often as I can. Uh, so that's where I bet yourself, obviously, mm. with the Derrimit Gym, uh, which is always a lot of fun because you get <laughs> quite an interesting reaction in the gym. And I think what, what's fun is that somebody who might be very, very strong at lifting weights, they don't want to come up and arm wrestle because it's like they feel, it feels to me like... They don't want to lose. Yeah, they don't yeah. want to be shown that they can't yeah. win or that they're not strong. Mm. It's like, it's not that you're not strong. It's just that this is a completely different thing to... Mm. It's like, yeah, you've, you've got the strength there, but I'll show you how to do the technique so you mm. can actually apply your strength because mm. somebody might be three or four times stronger than me but if I don't let them access that strength by just pulling their, their wrist out of the position or using my entire body weight against their fingers, you know, to them, they're just like, this, this is, it doesn't make sense to me. I know that I'm stronger than this guy, but I can't do anything. I can't use my arm. So, a, so a smaller person could beat another person if they had the technique. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's sort of like, uh, very similar with jujitsu and leverage. Mm. And, you know, somebody's doing an armbar, it's sort of their entire body is riding against somebody's elbow joint. Mm. Uh, whereas with arm wrestling, it's very similar. It's like you're using your entire body weight and your arm strength and you're rolling that into somebody's weakest point, which is their fingers. Mm. And so for somebody who doesn't know what, what they're doing and they're just trying to push sideways with their arm, even if they've got a strong arm, I mean, how much can you push sideways really? Maybe 30 kilos? Well, there's no strength there. No, that's right, yeah. The strength is in a different direction. Exactly right, mm. yeah. So if somebody's very strong and maybe maybe they could push sideways 30, 40 kilos, if someone weighs more than that, which most people do, then all that, that other person has to do is sort of hold onto their hand and, and fall over backwards and mm. they'll, they'll win because mm. it's like, okay, you can push 30 kilos, but I weigh 100. Mm. <laughs> so I'm just going to fall over that way and your arm's coming with me, <laughs> you know? Uh, well, there's, I have seen videos of people snapping their arms. Yeah, that's the worst. Yeah. And uh, it, like, it's just so easy to happen. And is that all poor technique? It is, yeah, mm. 100%. Uh, and it's very detrimental to the sport to see it because it's always to 
people who have no idea what they're doing. Mm. They get that injury. It's on a kitchen table somewhere and it's like a brother and a sister and they have no clue what they're doing and they're both just pushing sideways. Yeah, well, there's no rotational strength on a bone, is there? No, that's right. Yeah, so when when you push sideways with just your arm and the other person's doing exactly the same thing, there's one of three things will happen. You'll either pin them, they'll pin you, or one of your arms will break. That's, that's literally the, the result of that. Mm. Whereas if you're doing it correctly, your arm and your bone is never in jeopardy at all because you're not pushing sideways. You're actually pulling. You're, you're getting a hand position and you're using your body weight and you are pulling backwards. So your arm, your opponent's arm is extending as opposed to getting pushed backwards. Mm. So the worst thing that can happen is that their hand hits the pad really fast. <laughs> but uh, at the high levels, at the, at the professional levels of arm wrestling, arm breaks are so rare. And okay. I was trying to think of, I, I know there's one in the last decade that I can think of clearly and I'm struggling to think of any others and that's one out of mm. all the matches that happen every single week and if I I, I compare it to uh, like playing football if you go into any emergency room on a Saturday or a Sunday in a hospital you'll see four or five footballers in there with you know maybe a, a torn knee or you know mm. broken arm or this or you know being knocked out or whatever but with arm wrestling, injuries and uh, significant injuries are very, very rare. But uh, yeah, so you're probably um, more likely to snap your bicep. Uh, yeah, your- it's uh, even that. Uh, Devin Larratt has done that, uh, but he's probably the only one that I can actually think of that's that's really done that. Yeah, the injuries are very. I mean, you'll get sore, like you'll get you know soft tissue injuries, joint and you know your wrists and. Um, obviously it's a very unnatural movement what you're doing uh, to rotate your hand in a pronation sort of movement Uh, and when people come on to the club for the first time uh, because they're having fun and because you know everyone's nice and they're friendly and they're letting people win and they're you know making them work and all that sort of thing is they tend to go way too hard (laughs) (laughs) and then they can't move their arm for like a week um because, like any new exercise. Absolutely, yeah. It's sort of like trying to do your max bicep curl for three hours straight. Yeah. <laughs> for a uh, sport that you know can be over in a second, mm. I imagine there's a lot behind the scenes to prepare. Yeah, that's right. So even just knowing what technique you're going to employ and what your opponent is going to employ, the setup is the key to victory. It, the way that your hand and your opponent's hand are put together when you are getting set up by the referee or the grip that you are able to get versus what they are able to get is where you'll win or lose the match at those levels. Because if somebody is very, very explosive and they get the grip that they want, you have basically no chance of stopping them unless you're really, really high above them in terms of strength. You know, that technique, their entire body is going to be dropping either on your arm or rolling against your fingers uh, and at super fast speed and lightning fast reaction. So people that are coming up to a tournament or coming up to a super match, uh, they are going to be studying who is in my draw or who is my opponent, what are they their skill sets and what do I need to do in that setup to make sure that I get what I want and they don't get what they want because both elements are just as important as each other because maybe you don't get the setup you want, but you were able to stop them from getting what they wanted 
because there's so much manipulation in just your hand positioning and and one inch difference can be you know night and day whether or not you can access your strength or not mm-hmm. so and you'll feel it as well especially when the strap is applied so if you slip like if your hands slip apart then they'll go to the strap uh, and when they apply the strap when they tighten it you'll instantly know whether or not you were in a good position okay because <laughs> you'll be like ah, oh, damn it <laughs> that's not good i'm i'm probably gonna lose this it's down to like millimeters absolutely yeah yeah that's right and height uh there's a lot of elements and i don't get into the jargon of it but um getting your hand higher than your opponents if you are trying to do a certain technique is very very critical and so if when they apply the strap or when uh your hands are put together and the referee's about to start say go and you know your finger is above theirs it's like yeah i've got this (laughs) or even half a finger it's like yep 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 i've got what i needed just that little bit uh and it's not always the case, but at those levels where every millimeter really counts, mm. that's where it can make all the difference. Mm. Fascinating, yeah. isn't it? Oh, yeah, it's crazy. And, and if you go back to the your brothers in the kitchen scenario, you never would have thought it would be this intricate. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, mm. that's what makes it fun. I think that's the thing that makes it really interesting for as a as a viewer, as a fan, is that there are these different techniques and these different strategies because if it was just strength versus strength, the strongest guy would always win. Uh, but because there's tactics and there's elements of trying to set traps and, and, and technique and, you know, this guy's technique versus this guy's technique and whose is better and who's going to be able to employ what they want, you know, somebody. So the, the three main techniques, top roll, a hook and a press. And everyone will do a variation of that. And what's interesting is that you never know which technique somebody's going to gravitate towards. Uh, usually people who are quite tall and have a long forearm, like myself, will, will do uh, a top roll because you can get above the opponent's hand. Uh, most of the time, people who are shorter or have a shorter forearm, they want to work in a more of a horizontal plane and they would do what we call a hook. So you're hooking in your wrist. Uh, and then the press is where you're you're turning and you're using your tricep as well as your body weight to push down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And w- people will naturally gravitate towards one of those three things. All the time? Or can you swap between all of them? You can always do whatever technique right, okay. you want. And yeah. you can, you, obviously, during a match, you can do whatever you like. It's in, you can start. And if a top roll doesn't work, you can change to a hook position. Maybe they force you into a hook and you didn't want to be there, but now you're there and you're trying to get back out and get into a top roll position. Um, and you're using pronation of your wrist to try to get there and maybe you're strong enough to get there, but then they've changed to a press and now you've got to, you know, so there's all those things that are happening in that back and forth in, in milliseconds and you're trying to watch the, your opponent and feel the pressure that they're applying in their wrist and maybe they're, they've got you into a hook position and I'm not very good offensively with a hook, but I'm very good defensively with a hook. So maybe they went oh, to a hook okay, right. and then they cannot pin me in that. So they're like, oh, I need to change to something else. And maybe they'll roll into a top roll. And I'm like, I could feel when they change that pressure. And it's like, okay, they've changed. And I swapped to my top roll, which you know is my thing. So I should be stronger than them at that. So I can defend against their hook. And then they change techniques. But when they change, that's my opportunity to... to employ my technique so you know it's at that moment of change they're weak that's right yeah so you feel you feel that pressure 
And what's fun for me is my, my sort of skill is, is, is endurance. Like I can hold people f- forever and never, never give up, never quit. Uh, and they might be an inch from winning, but I'll hold them there for, for three minutes. <laughs> you know? And then well, they'll get tired. Because they're now fatigued. Exactly. Yeah. yeah right. And that's what's fun is this feeling. I can feel it in that person, their strength. It starts at a hundred and then it's like, when they don't get through that first time, then it's 80 and then they don't get through again and it's like 40 and it's like you feel that just drop, 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 drop and then they're down to like 10 and you just sort of sitting there, it's like you got nothing left at all <laughs> and they, they normally quit, they normally give up at that point which is just the best. So you've eventually given up, you didn't have to pin them. Yeah, well, they, they, they know and you get that. Even at the upper levels, there's guys that, they have enough power and strength for one big hit. And if they win, they win. If they lose, they know they got nothing left. Mm. Uh, and you'll see that very quickly. They're not going to go for a second or a third. Mm. They'll usually, if they don't get through on that first, maybe they'll try a second. If it doesn't get through, they're just like, nah, I'm not going to waste my energy because I know that I'm, not, I'm just going to gas very, very quickly. Yeah, right. Mm. What, what about your body? What parts of your body are the most important from a training point of view? Yeah, there's a lot of things that you can do in the gym to strengthen up. I'd say because it's like a chain, your fingers, your hand, your wrist, your forearm, elbow, and then shoulder and lat are all working in unison when you are in in a match. And it starts, and it's all in in order, I would say, of importance. Your fingers, hand, and wrist are absolutely vital Mm. to being able to get the positions that you want and being able to employ the technique that works best for you. If you have a very weak hand, very weak wrist, you might have a really strong arm, but you're going to the pin pad. Like your opponent will get your hold of your hand and they'll, they'll roll into your fingers. They'll, they'll press through your wrist. So having a strong hand and a strong wrist is, is absolutely vital. Uh, so in the gym, you can do, you know, your forearm curls and there are arm wrestling specific movements that you can do. Uh, and one is, a, you know, if people are listening, it's hard to explain it exactly. But if you've got like a stretchy band, maybe you put one loop of it uh, on the floor and stand on it. And then you put the other loop into your hand and you're going to be rolling your wrist towards your okay. face sort of yeah. thing um, to work the pronation of the, the hand. Uh, so pronation and supination of the hand as well. Those elements are, are really things that you can work on in the gym, but there is nothing as valuable as what we call table time, as getting on the table with as many people as you can because you can't replicate that same pressure. As somebody who's on the other side of the table who has your hand, who's dynamically exploding here moving in different positions they're rolling to your fingers that their pressure is maybe strong there but then weak over here uh, and maybe they're holding for a few seconds and then they're trying to push again so you can't really replicate those movements in a gym workout uh, you can get stronger in the gym in you know obviously building up your strength in your hand your wrist your forearm your your back in terms of your dragging ability but if you, you don't mention bicep yet yeah, bicep is important, but it's more important in defense okay. as opposed to offense. Yeah, right. Um, usually your bicep won't come into play until your hand has been compromised. So if your hand gets compromised and uh, you get turned what we call palm up, so if your, if your hand gets turned upwards, 
towards the ceiling and they are starting to pull down, that's where your bicep yeah, muscle right. will, will yeah, engage. Yeah. Uh, and usually it's not that big of a, uh, it, it plays a part, but it is not as important as getting the other funda- fundamentals correct. Mm. Mm. Have you always been a big man? Uh, no, not really. I'd say when I was a teenager, um, uh, when I was at high school, I was overweight and then uh, started really getting into fitness when I was probably about 15. Uh, I used to play table tennis, actually, uh, <laughs> which was a lot of fun. Uh, and I, I got quite decent at it. Um, and I was playing six days a week. Uh, wow. Yeah, yeah. And I was playing on the, the junior state team. And every weekend there was tournaments around the, the state. And then we were going interstate as well for, for national tournaments. Uh, and so I was, I was playing, you know, Mondays would be, say, the, the junior night. And then Tuesdays would be the seniors. Wednesday would be the seniors somewhere else at a different club. And then, but yeah, it was, it was a lot of training. And one of the elements that we had as part of the state squad was, was a fitness element. And so we would do runs and we would do, you know, sit-ups and push-ups and all that sort of thing to be very light and agile on your feet in, in table tennis. Very quick, very much a reflex um, sort of thing. You don't want to be heavy. Um, you want to be able to very lightly move around the table. Uh, so I really got into that side of it. I was always attracted to, um, I was talking about Arnold Schwarzenegger before, you know, he's always been my idol as mm. somebody that I've always uh, admired and, and wanted to be like. Um, and so I knew that I wanted to be involved in fitness somehow. And table tennis was able, uh, gave me the ability to get fit. Uh, and then I wanted to start training with resistance training with, with weights. I wanted to start building muscle. Uh, so after I sort of finished playing table tennis, it was about 17, 18, uh, I went and started studying um, fitness at, at TAFE. I did a, a two-year uh, diploma, advanced diploma or something. <laughs> I can't remember what they titled it, but it was a, a diploma in fitness. And it was two years full-time. It was like 9 to 5.30, Monday to Friday. And we learned you know, muscles, bones, movements. It was basically your, your PT course, but uh, at an extreme level. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and... So we would learn how to teach aerobics classes, how to teach circuit classes, how to do fitness tests, how to uh, be a personal trainer, how to uh, you know, um, run strongman programs, powerlifting, all those sorts of elements. Everything you could do in a gym or a fitness world, we would we would become an instructor in it. And part of that was that you had to be, like every day scheduled in the course structure, I think it was from 11 to 12, you had to be in the gym, Mm. (laughs) which was amazing because that's what I wanted to do. (laughs) And so Monday to Friday, five days a week, you must do at least one hour in the gym. Uh, And at that point, because it was something I was really keen on doing and really passionate about, um, I was training twice a day. So I would train the the 11 to 12. And then when we finished at 5.30, I would go back to the gym and train from like 6 till 8 or something like that. And I would do two sessions a day, like every day. Wow. Yeah. And then on the weekends, I would do my own stuff at home as well. I was very much into it and wanting to, to build this physique. Uh, and yeah, that's when I started doing the acting work and, and that sort of thing as well and really pushing in that direction. But uh, yeah, in terms of fitness, it, that so when I was 19 is when I first started lifting weights in the mm-hmm. gym. And um, What do you put your overweight down to as a kid? Uh <laughs> Well, it's probably just lack of education, really. I didn't know 
what I was doing in terms of um, what I was eating. Uh, there was no, uh, I think it's different when I was a teenager to what it is now in terms of nutrition labels. And there's very much a an emphasis on uh, knowledge as to what, what's healthy, what isn't healthy. Uh, I had no interest in it and no idea what I was eating. You know, it's just, I'm hungry, I'm going to eat that thing, mm. whatever. Uh, I was still very much active in terms of uh, wanting to play sports and doing those sorts of things. Uh, but prior to uh, table tennis, I was doing karate, I was doing that, those sorts of things, but it wasn't enough to counter out the, the calories that I was consuming. Uh, once I started studying at TAFE and one of the elements that we were, we were looking at was nutrition. Mm. So, yeah, and it was like, oh, okay, now I, I completely get yeah. why I was, uh, you know, overweight. I was, I was consuming way too many calories for the amount that I was um, burning through exercise or through the basic metabolic uh, index. But, yeah, it... Uh, the nutrition conversation continues to change, doesn't it? It does, yeah. Mm. And every every day almost, you you could say, oh, now this thing here is bad for you. Mm. Uh, yesterday it was good for you, but now it's bad. <laughs> yeah, it's confusing. It is. How would you know? Yeah. I think the, the, the simplest thing is, is everything in moderation. It's just the easiest thing. Uh, and anybody who talks about a diet or you know going on a diet, what diet should I go on? Do whatever works for you. Mm. you know, do something that's going to, you're going to stick to and is actually realistic mm. because people who go on keto diets or, you know, these vegetarian diets or whatever, it's like, are you going to actually like, is this something you're always going to be able to maintain? Mm. Are you restricting yourself by being on this? Cause if you are, you're not going to stick with it or yeah, you're going to right. feel like you're missing out on something. Mm. Um, I've competed in bodybuilding competitions, I think seven or eight times. The dieting part of that is horrible. It's absolutely yeah. horrible. Uh, and it's very much that you are restricting yourself from every food that's out there apart from... So bodybuilding as in the posing? Yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah, right. yeah. With your golden undies. That's all right. Like Russ. It was, yeah. yeah. Exactly the same, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so uh, Russ was uh, competing in the uh, seniors division, mm. and uh, I was my first one was in the, the junior competition. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, right. But, uh, yeah, it's very, very much the same thing, so... Mm. Um, and that's why I was training so much in the gym was, you know, that was one of my goals was I wanted to compete in bodybuilding. Okay. What, what would motivate you to want to do that? Uh, as well as talking about before, I was Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. And, and when I was doing it back then, when I was 19 or 20, and this is 21 years ago, 22 years ago, it was, uh, it was more underground, much more underground than what it is now. And mm. people would be like, the what, what is it? It's sort of like, I'm, I'm, I'm wrestling is at this point in time. But it was uh, not many people would compete. There wasn't many shows. There was um, maybe 300 people total that would actually do it, and I think Australia-wide. <laughs> but it was something that I wanted to do and I was very interested in and uh, no idea what I was doing for the first couple like in terms of a very strict, specific diet. Uh, but So is it... Um, you're almost having to starve yourself to be ready for it, or how does that work? No, it's not a starving thing, but it's it's a restrictive diet, and it's like, okay. These are the things I'm going to be eating for the next twelve weeks, and nothing else. <laughs> so you're 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 eliminating anything 
the, the idea is to completely strip as much body fat as you can. So when you've got a long level of body fat, obviously your muscularity looks much, much greater. Uh, and when you're on stage posing, it's very clear you can see the muscle there. So somebody who is in the gym uh, and training may have a very, let's say they've got a very big chest, big chest muscles. But if they're also carrying uh, body fat as well, you can't see the definition of that chest. It won't look as impressive. So they may weigh, let's say, 100 kilos and have a big chest, but then somebody who's 70 kilos and very lean or has very uh, low level of body fat, they may have a quarter of the size or, or a third of the size of, of somebody else's chest, but it looks you know phenomenal because it's like, well, you can see everything. Exactly, yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's the idea of doing a very restrictive diet is that you're trying to re- remove as much body fat as you can. Uh, and so you're not eating anything fatty. You're, you know, you're not uh, eating anything. You're, you're sort of looking at what works for me um, and how do I maintain the muscle that I've got uh, without compromising the size and uh, obviously you're going to be losing strength over that 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 dieting period um but you're restricting your, your carbohydrate intake you know and you're trying to get as much sort of fruits and vegetables and that sort of thing but uh yeah it's it's sort of like okay chicken and broccoli for for 12 weeks you know yeah, wow. and it's it's a difficult thing because i remember not sustainable no, oh, definitely not. No, you wouldn't want to live like that year round. And it's the same for anybody who who's. It was the same before. If you're going to go on a diet, pick a diet you will actually stick to, because if you choose something that is like, okay, this is really going to work, as in I'm going to lose a lot of weight or I'm going to lose a lot of body fat. Yeah, you will. But can you maintain that? Is that something that you're going to want to do forever, um, or for a very long period of time? And without feeling like I can't do this and I can't do that, I can't eat these things, I can't go out to restaurants, I can't go eat at my friend's place. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Mm. I I would have to take my food with me. You know, Mm. Uh, we went when I was uh, on the 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 dining phase. uh, My wife and I went on a holiday to to Sydney, um, and it was like we had to make sure we had an apartment that had like cooking facilities because, you know, I needed to cook the, the chicken and everything like that. I couldn't eat out anywhere. Um, yeah, it really does put a lot of uh, elements in, in your day, which are very restrictive or you have to put a lot more effort in than if you're just doing a diet or doing a general eating that is, is in moderation and works for you that isn't restrictive. I remember craving Cocoa Pops and I never eat Cocoa Pops. Like I never uh, eat them at all. And like three weeks leading up to the competition, I'm like, man, I really want, like, because I wasn't allowed to have them. You know, it's always the things you, you're not allowed to have or you can't have yeah. or you're restricting yourself from that you want. Uh, and anything chocolate's hard. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But uh, straight after the competition, you know, we went straight to KFC and it was like, <laughs> you know, you're gorging yourself on all these foods that, that uh, you've been missing out on for the last, you know, few months or whatever. Uh, and then you feel sick. And yeah. <laughs> well, in line with the nutrition, the supplement world has changed a lot too. Yeah. And it's also confusing. It is, yeah. I'd say one of the main reasons that it's confusing is the marketing side of it. And say, let's say you've got a magazine that, that, that's coming out. Like, I don't know, magazines aren't as popular these days, but um, say there was like Men's Health magazine. And uh, January, they say, uh, eat these these foods to build muscle, and then the next month they're like, um, 
we need to sell more copies. So, uh, I don't know, run another thing. Oh, you need to eat these foods to, you know, or these exercises are the ones you want to do. And then the next month, oh, no, these ones, you know. So it's like you've got that marketing element with, with supplements that are, that are pushing, uh, <laughs> pictures of enormous mass cartoon monster guys on there uh, and saying, you know, I'll take this protein powder and you'll look like me in, in three weeks. It's like, you know, it's insane that the the very word itself lends you the clue as to what this actually is. It's mm. a supplement. You are supplementing mm. eating this by taking this drink or, or using this powder. It is it is powdered food. That is all it is. There is nothing fancy about any of these things. Um, yeah. So <laughs> with a with a regular healthy diet, those things are not needed at all. Um, if, if you are struggling to get a certain amount of something, like if, you know, if you need more glutamine or if you need more, um, amino acids or, or that sort of thing, one of the, one of the high reasons I would say that people, uh, would use, say, a protein shake, something like that, is they struggle just to be able to eat enough protein throughout the day. It's like, man, I, I just can't eat another steak, you know, I just, I'm so, like, it's difficult say you're trying to get 200 grams of protein in a day it's like i've eaten fish nuts chicken steak eggs and i'm like i've still got to get another 30 grams of protein it's like i can't be bothered either cooking it or eating it and it's like well that's where your drink will come in and it's like there's 30 grams of protein mix that with water it tastes terrible but you know (laughs) there you go you're supplementing having to eat another steak for having a drink um, but the marketing side of it is where, you know, they push, oh, it does this and it does these amazing things. No, it's powdered food. It literally is. Or it's vitamins. It's the same thing. Mm. So, yeah, it, it's quite funny. Uh, I, I very much enjoy picking up supplement labels and reading the uh, description as to what it's going to do. And mm. it's, it's, you know, it, it's, it's fantastic. Well, you look like an elite athlete. Oh, thank you. What do you do? Uh, I train in the gym nearly every day. Yeah. Yeah. And have done for 22 years straight uh, since I started at TAFE uh, when I was 19. And I used to do things prior to that, as I said, with table tennis. And I used to do my own stuff with push ups and that sort of thing. But yes, yeah, very much a this is a lifestyle and a look and a part of who I am, my personality that. Um, makes up who who I see myself as and I think that people who are trying to make changes in their life or trying to improve or they want to get to where they um, want to be it's sort of like well who do you want to be because that's where you'll find the answer because if you have the ability to know that then the you'll you'll start doing the steps towards getting there so for me I see myself as a, a fit, strong, healthy man. To, to be that, I have to train. I have to eat reasonably well. Um, I have to, um, you know, go and do certain things to, to achieve that. Uh, and I, and I have pleasure in doing those things because it allows me to reach the pinnacle of who I see myself as. And that's why you'll get a lot of athletes or a lot of people who get uh, injured or they get restricted from being able to be who they are, who they see themselves are, uh, 
when they lose that ability to be who who they who they are, so say they get injured and they can't compete for like a year or something like that, they they they're very very depressed because it's like, well, that's who I am. That's that's me. That's who my personality is all wrapped up in that. And if you are unable to be that or do the things that can allow you to be that, that's where people I think really find it difficult because it's like, you know, maybe it's something that was only for a certain amount of time you were able to do that thing, and now it's finished and you need to move on to the next chapter. But if you're stuck there going, no, but that was me. Like, that's who I am. Mm-hmm. I'm an Olympian. Like, you know, so say you're an Olympian and it's like, uh, your career is from the age of 18 to 25. Mm, that's it. And that's it. And you may have won a medal and it's like, fantastic. Let's say it's, I don't know, um, pole vaulting or something like that. And it's like, okay, great. You're, you've won the medal but now the next generation is already improved beyond your capabilities. So you can still do it, but you're not going to be anywhere near as competitive and you're going to continue to, on this down track of losing to better and you know more improved athletes. If you want to keep doing that, you know, obviously if you enjoy the sport, you enjoy what you're doing and you don't mind, then yeah, that, then that, that's where you, you, you look at the, the best people because they, they say, okay, well, I don't, I don't really, I'm doing this because I love it as opposed to I'm doing it because I want to be a champion. Mm. But the people who sort of see themselves as I am a champion and then that ends yeah, and it's like, right. now you're not the champion. We well, uh, kind of see that a bit with football players. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So your career ends at 30, 35. You're only 35. Like, you know, mm. what are you going to do for the rest of your life? Oh, all I've done is football since I was a teenager. Mm. What do you want to do? I don't know. I have no idea. All I am is a footballer. Mm. It's like, okay, well, this is where you've got to find a new identity. And a lot of people really struggle with that. Um, and yeah, I'd say probably the, the one that I'm most familiar with is, is fighters. So as I said before, a big fan of the UFC and uh, follow a lot of the guys in that. Um, and seeing them constantly coming back from retirement <laughs> because their identity is wrapped up in mm. I'm a fighter and mm. you know maybe they they've reached the upper levels and people uh they're famous and people come up to them and say oh you're mm. and then when they've retired that starts to dissipate and starts to go away and they really miss that oh I want people to remember who I am you know and that's mm. who I am and mm. but uh it's very difficult for people to move on to another thing mm. uh if that's all that they've done for so, yeah, such what a long time. them. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you're defined by your actions uh, and then those actions end or they get taken away, that's where it gets really difficult to start again in something else new, especially if you've conquered something else. And it's like, but that I, I am that I'm amazing. And that's like, that has ended. You need mm-hmm. to move on to something else. You know, even people from, from military backgrounds or stuff like that. So maybe they've reached really high levels in the military and then their career ends in that. And it's like, okay, now you need to start again in the civilian world in a different field. Um, and a lot of people can really lose their way because there's no one there sort of explaining or telling them what to do next or there's no mission or there's a, you've got to create those things for yourself, mm. which it's a lot of people really struggle with. Yeah, well, from a man's perspective, especially as you get older, um, you need to get that movement and that resistance mm-hmm. um, from a, even the testosterone point of view because mm-hmm. you're going to fall over and break your hip and that'll be it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and how devastating would that be to all of a sudden 
lose your mobility on top of everything else. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it's one of those things, and I'm glad that this has uh, been a topic of, of the last sort of 10 years has really pushed this anti-aging, uh, which I guess is like an overarching umbrella term, but really it's about maintaining your health and strength and, and fitness throughout the, your entirety of your life. Uh, and from what I've heard and what I've read, uh, after the age of 30, 1% of testosterone levels drop every year. So if you're 40 years old, it's probably dropped around 10%. It's going to be different for different people. Maybe it's a little bit more, maybe it's a little bit less, but it's, it's like a base guide. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, by the time you've sort of reached your 60s or 70s, you, you know, you're down to half of what you were when you were 30 years old, uh, just naturally. And it's a vital uh, hormone. That's right. To create function of everything in your body really exactly yeah that's right especially uh for for men it you know it's it's going to be one of those aspects that's going to be giving you that drive that purpose that that hunger that that desire um the ability to recover uh and and push forwards and and set set those those things that that really make you see yourself as who you are and if those things start really deriving over time it's like, well, I'm not who I am anymore. I don't feel like I, I used to be and I can't, I physically can't do the things that I, maybe I see myself as that, but I can't do the mm. things that, that allow me to be that anymore. So it is uh, fantastic to see that these, there's, there's certain synthetic compounds and certain um, uh, lifestyle things that people can implement to improve their life throughout the you know right up until the older age and saying you know the idea is that you should be able to have a heart attack where you're 95 years old on the golf course you know yeah that's right (laughs) so you'd rather that and being out and being active and moving around and and living your life to the fullest throughout the entirety of your life as opposed to a very slow decline i Mm. think it's one of the things is very important that if, if people are able to get on top of where where am i in terms of my health um, if you're getting regular blood blood tests and saying, okay, well, if the, is anything out of whack? If this is, I need to change this and you know, get things as optimal as I possibly can. Um, yeah. So even something as simple simple as vitamin D. That's right. Absolutely. Getting out in the sun, which we're kind of told it's bad for you. Yeah. 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 That's right. Yeah. You've got those contrasting uh, elements at play again as to this is good for you, but no, it's bad for you. And, mm. and one day it's good and one day it's bad. Yeah. Like, again, I think it's everything in moderation. Mm. If you're going out and getting absolutely fried every day in the sun, then you're probably going to have problems with skin cancer and all the rest of it. But if you're in the sun and you're being responsible with, you know, and you're wearing sun cream and, but you're out and you're getting that sunlight and maybe you're at the beach and you're getting those reflections from the, the water into your eyes and your body's, uh, you know, getting enough vitamin D through those methods. It's like, okay, well, this is, this is a right amount. It's a healthy amount of, of this compound that you need to, to run your body at, at its optimal level. Yeah. Well, with that kind of, thought in mind you'll probably sail through 70 no problem if you, <laughs> well, if you haven't got sick of the gym by then <laughs> yeah that's it yeah it's one of those things i remember training in the gym there was a there was a guy there was about 66 at this is maybe 10 years ago he'd be 76 now but uh he was training and training hard but he said this thing which stuck in my mind he said i'll i'll probably give it another six months and then i think that'll be it for for the weights and i was like 
you better not stop lifting it because mm. as soon as you stop, you won't be able to start again. Like mm. you, you'll stop and you'll decline so fast mm. at that age. Like you know, if you if if you if you've maintained a decent level of fitness and strength, why would you then just stop? stop. Like yeah, it just seems so crazy to me. Mm. Um, you know, there are a lot of people into their seventies that are magnificent specimens yeah that's right absolutely and uh, they're inspiring really yeah for sure that's right yeah and they have the ability to to really uh push themselves and and be competitive and and enjoy their life and they're not you know if you thought of say 70 70 years old like when i was a 20 year old if you said oh, somebody's 70 you're like oh my god they're like a you know in a nursing home and yeah, yeah that's right it's like the you know the, the decrepit old person in the corner with a blanket watching the tv <laughs> Is the image you should be conjuring, but 70 year olds now are running marathons, they're in the gym, they're, they're doing powerlifting, they're, you know, and it's fantastic to see that. And the idea is that you should be able to, you know, maintain a functional and healthy body for as long as you possibly can. Mm. It is a bit intimidating in some gyms when, as an older person, when you're looking at young, fit men and women, mm-hmm, mm. and uh, you feel like a bit of a, a bit of a geeber. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I guess I, I've heard that from a lot of people, not just from um, an age perspective, but from so so, uh, so women it's might intimidating. yeah, men, women might feel like intimidated, um, and even other guys, like younger guys, might you know if they feel like hey, I'm not, I shouldn't be here, I don't belong here, mm. uh, I don't have a right to be here uh, because I I'm not enormous. It's mm. like that's that's mm. it couldn't be further from the truth. Uh, usually what you'll find in nearly every gym that I've trained at, people are very friendly they're, mm. they're, and they're more than willing if you're struggling with anything to, to give you advice, to help, to just say hello. Um, but I, I can see the intimidation factor that people have. Uh, I know that uh, there's a lot of gyms that, that have ladies-only sections for that reason. It's like, okay, if, you, if you're feeling concerned uh, when you first sign up to the gym, you can start in the ladies' area. The, the idea being that you would progress to feeling comfortable. Mm. Yeah. So where I used to work at, at Derrimut Gym, uh, their structure there was quite clever in that they deliberately didn't put certain machines in the ladies' gym. Okay. Because there's no leg press in there, for example, because they want the ladies to start to venture out and feel comfortable mm. with going out and using the main floor. Because the idea is that, you know, if you're starting off um, and, you know, there's absolutely not, if you want to spend your entire time training in, in ladies gym, um, you know, then do it. It's fine. You don't have to go and train with everyone else. But if you're feeling intimidating, intimidated um, or in fear uh, in any aspect, it's like, well, here is an opportunity for you to venture out, do one exercise on this one machine, and then you can go back again. Mm. And then over time, hopefully that exposure therapy will lead you to, oh, actually it was fine. When I went out there, I said hello to that person. I said hello to that person. That was fine. Or people just left me alone. Mm-hmm. You know, no one cared what I was doing. Um, so maybe I'll go and do that machine as well yeah. um, with the idea of, you know, that you, I guess you could say progress to a point where you feel comfortable. So, yeah, that's, that's I think, one of the goals for, any gym or any fitness um, place, and especially what we do at the uh, the Armourson Club, 
we want people to feel comfortable, feel like you're having a good time, like you're enjoying yourself. And if you can build that atmosphere and that culture in, in a gym uh, or in wherever you're working, then people feel very welcomed. They feel like they're part of that mm. group. Uh, and that's why another quite clever thing that, that Derriman has employed is right at the entrance is where the staff stand. <laughs> so it's deliberate that we will engage with you when you come in. We'll say hello. How are you going? And over time, you'll learn that person's name. Maybe they've, how's your shoulder going? Or how's, how's your dogs? Or mm. what, how, you get that thing fixed with your car, you know. Make them feel like they belong. That's right. Mm. Exactly. And it's, people get that familiarity. Uh, and yeah, it's that, oh, I'm here and I get to say hello to the guy at the desk or I'll say hello to the thing as I'm going in. I feel good. I've straight away, I've got like a positive, um, mood or Is interaction. The Derrimut strategy, is that what they teach you to do? No, not really. Okay. Yeah, but I can see why they've done it. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think the instruction is uh, to say hello to everybody, Mm. but, um, you know, most most stores or most shops will do that. But Mm. uh, for me, when I was working there, I was doing the night shift, and so I was very much, I was always by myself. Mm. uh, So you'd be up for a chat. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Well, yeah. ha- and having the ability to talk mm. because there was less people there and it wasn't busy. Uh, so if someone wanted to talk to me for 40 minutes, they could, you know, mm. um, or, or an hour or whatever. Mm. Um, and it was great for me because A, I get to talk to really interesting people from all sorts of different areas and backgrounds uh, and build all these, this network of all sorts of different, you know, people who are mechanics or, or plumbers or, mm. or uh, they run their own business or, yeah. Um, and so I'm meeting people I would never meet normally and having great conversations with people I would never have these conversations with normally four or five times a week. And it got to the point where <laughs> over my shift, there would almost be people having to, to book in <laughs> to chat to, to talk, <laughs> which was great from my perspective. Mm. They could see when they would come in and I'd be talking to somebody else and they'd be like, ah, Disappointed. they'd be annoyed because yeah, I didn't get yeah, to have yeah. their chat. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Um, and it'd be, you know, say 10, 10 p.m. when I would get there, I would have this person and this person, and then 12, I know these guys will come in, and two with this, this guy. Imagine training at that hour. Yeah, it's crazy. There's always people there, mm. like always, all night. Yeah, why? Yeah, even Christmas Day, everything. Mm. Uh, uh, Damon, who's one of my friends, he is there two o'clock on the dot in the morning, two o'clock, and literally on the dot every single day. And whenever I, I'd see him come through the door, I, I'd go, oh, this Damon. And I'd look at the clock, two o'clock, east, every day. On the top. <laughs> yes. Put on him. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, but he would, you know, his routine is, is very different. And I think if you're going to be training at that time, mm. I think you would go to sleep at seven or eight o'clock at night mm. uh, to be able to get up to. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Which is just the complete opposite of what I was doing. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I would mentioning girls in the gym. Do you mm. have uh, females... Armrest? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, throughout the club's history, so I've been running it for maybe three and a bit years. Um, we've had we had a, a period of time when there were, we had about nine girls that were coming along regularly, but at the moment we've got maybe one or two. Uh, and the reason being is, a it's a niche sport to start with, so you know it, we're still trying to build the popularity of the sport. Um, and the people who are usually interested in, in combat sports, are, you know, the majority would be would be men. Um, 
and the girls that we've had that have come along usually are partners of a guy okay. who wants to come along. Yeah. And they'll be sitting and watching. And of course, you can't sit and watch because at some point they're going to say, come up and have a go. <laughs> and it looks fun and, you know, everyone's nice. And then, you know, it's, and so they'll come up and they'll actually get on the table and maybe over a, a month or two, they'll start learning what to do and they're enjoying themselves and maybe they're actually quite good. Um, and then you've got that competition atmosphere as well. But what has happened over time in our club is, um, as the, the guys sort of lost interest and moved on. The the girls went with them as well. Mm. So yeah, we had nine at, at one point, um, but they were all partners of some mm. of, of a guy that was attending. Yeah. And yeah, obviously when that one, so, you know, they sort of they're not going to go without each other, kind mm. of thing. And yeah, but at this point we've got we've got two girls that that are very keen. Um, but yeah, there, there are women in arm wrestling. It is it is a lot less of a percentage. It's probably it's probably like ninety five to five. Yeah, is, okay. yeah, yeah. Can they wrestle the men? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. 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 When we and ran, win? yeah, absolutely. Yeah, okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. The, the 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 top women would destroy me. Yeah, for sure. You? Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh okay. yeah. Wow. Yeah, easily. Yeah. <laughs> the, 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 as I said, the technique, the speed, the the ability of their wrist and their their knowledge of setup is just is. You know, all those elements, I might be stronger physically, even stronger in arm wrestling movements. I can't match their, their knowledge, their experience, their, their ability to get the positions they need. Um, yeah, it's, it, there's so much to it. Um, yeah. And you, and you wouldn't have thought. Would no, you? that's right. Absolutely. Yeah. It's sort of like jujitsu in a lot of ways. You get uh, a girl who might be 40 kilos, 45 kilos. She would chat, tap me out in, in 10 seconds. You know, she, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> She's going to wrap, jump on my neck and choke me unconscious. <laughs> uh, because she just knows how to do that. Whereas I might be physically stronger, but I can't stop that from happening. Same as arm wrestling. I might be physically stronger. I can't stop them from getting the positions they need to roll into their, into my fingers. I can't hold 50 kilos, 60 kilos of power in two fingers. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, it is great to see that, that, they're, they're out there and that they enjoy the sport and the women that are at the up the uh, pinnacle of, of the sport they absolutely love it uh, and they're multiple time world champions uh, so it is, it is awesome what would be an, a woman's um, name uh, we oh. had dynamite dynamite yeah, yeah. Uh, the that's po- a good one pocket rocket yeah um, yeah yeah no uh, vikings no not the vikings no um, we had the anarchist <laughs> She chose that one. I think she's very much into Sons of Anarchy. Okay. <laughs> that was Paula. Uh, and yeah, there's been a, there's been a few. Uh, what was the other one? So, uh, Paula, uh, the anarchist and her daughter were coming along for a while. I'm trying to remember her daughter. Chaos was, was her daughter's name. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. So I remember the, the nickname. I can remember. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's what's fun about it is, and especially when I'm doing content online and trying to get people interested to watch the videos, uh, they're not going to remember John Smith and Mark Franks. You know, they, they'll remember the Viking versus the Berserker. You know, oh, that's the Viking. Oh, that's the Berserk is my favorite. You know, like it's it's creating those characters for people to immediately recognize. Yeah, right. Mm. So, someone joining your um, club, would they have to come up with their own name, or would you do it? Normally, I'll do it. <laughs> but, yeah, normally. How long does it take you to figure it out? Uh, not long, but it depends. I won't give them one until they've sort of 
proven that they'll be a regular attendee because okay. yeah. there's no point doing it on somebody on their first night or something like that because most of the time you get people that, that will try it out and you might never see them again mm. um, or they'll be there a couple of times and then they'll disappear and you won't see them again uh, and they'll be back a year later and mm. that sort of thing. But if somebody's regularly attending and they want to do super matches and they want to do, uh, you know, those sorts of things, so I'll, I'll endeavor to come up with a nickname for them, mainly because when I when I edit the footage, uh, so we, we have training, um, but at the start of training, if two people have agreed to, they can have a match, like an actual competition match. So I'll referee it and I'll film it. I'll edit it and put it up online and I have rankings and everything. Um, so people are trying to improve their ranking position. Uh, and I don't want to put in my video, this is Paul versus John. Mm. It's like, I'm not doing that. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to put the berserker versus the engineer or, mm. you know, it's, there's going to be some entertainment element that I'm putting in here. I'm not, what, yeah. What would my name be? Ah, oh, jeez, I'll let you put me on the spot. <laughs> uh, I'd, I'd probably go something auditorial because of the podcasting stuff. So, yeah. Um, hmm. I'll think about it as we're doing the show. And I'll, <laughs> yeah. In the back of my mind, I'll try to come up with this. I'm getting the listener, and I'm like, that's not a good name. Oh. Um, <laughs> oh, Russ calls me Big Tone. Oh, does he? Yeah. Yeah, nice. Because yeah, I'm not big. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's like when you call a really big guy Tiny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's great. Well, that's uh, Stretch from our club. Is um, Well, actually, it probably applies. He's six foot eight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he's Stretch. Yeah, appropriate. Yeah. Most people don't know what his real name is, which is fantastic. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. So good. So good. Um, when I played football, it was like that. Everyone had a nickname, but they weren't like the nicknames, like the Viking, the, you know, whatever. But they were always uh, some sort of version of their last name. This is Esso. This is Slopper. This is... This is Paulie. This is, you know, Franksy. <laughs> Normally the surname abbreviated. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and one guy's name was Magic once. And I was like, why is he called Magic? He was quite overweight, this guy. Uh, <laughs> because when you'd go to football training, you'd be in a line and somebody else would be kicking it and you'd have to run out and you'd have to call for the ball. And it's like, you're trying to learn their names. What's this guy's name? Oh, it's Magic. Magic. Okay. Running out. Magic. Magic. So why is his name Magic? And said, oh, because of Magic Mountain. <laughs> <laughs> That's a horrible name. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is gone now. It is. That's Certainly. right. It's the beach house now. Yeah. 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 So if someone wanted to join your club, mm-hmm. what would they need to do? Just come along. Yeah. yeah. This is what's what we've deliberately done is made it as accessible for everybody. So anybody can come along and have a go. It's free. Uh, all the equipment, everything is all provided. Someone just walks in the door. Uh, and if I see somebody that's there for the first time, I'm going to go straight over to them. Hey, how you going? Nice to meet you. Come with me. Let's go on the table. Have you ever done this before? No, cool. Okay, well, you show me what you're doing. So immediately they're doing arm wrestling within two minutes of walking in the door. Uh, Do they have to pay? No. No membership. No. Yeah. 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 Good club. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm. So uh, Dave Stockbridge, who uh, I was talking about before, who I do the AWE with, and we run a podcast together as well. Uh, So he's from Real Estate Agents Group. Is his uh, his his company. Okay. So he uh, sponsors the club, and uh, anything financial, he will uh, help to to cover. So yes, he's been a tremendous uh, help to to the success of what we've done mm. and, and helping with uh, getting us into events and 
yeah, he's he's been a, a, a big figure of influence. What's the youngest person that you could have? Uh, uh, as as young as you like. Really? My daughter, who's ten, does it. My daughter, who's six, will get on the table with me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The the great thing about it, this is one of the things I really like about arm wrestling, is that anybody can do it. And it doesn't matter what your strength level is. And you can get on with somebody who's very experienced and very strong. And it's probably the best thing to do because they're going to let you work and get positions and let you win, you know, over and over while they're explaining what to do. Mm. And as you start to get better, now it's going to make it a little bit harder for you. And, and it's got, so you see how you were doing that and you were getting through. And now you see the counter to that is this. So I'm going to do that. You see how I can beat you now when I do that? So don't let me do that. You know, so you're explaining those, those things regardless as to their strength level. Um, and that's what I do when I do the demonstrations. It doesn't matter who comes up. They're going to win. They're going to beat me mm. <laughs> because I'm allowing them to get positions and work and understand um, how to do it safely and correctly. But that's, that's, that's one of those elements that I enjoy is that you don't really need anything. You just put your arm down and away you go. Yeah. I mean, ideally, you'd be on an arm wrestling style table, but you can do that anywhere. Like you can even do it on the ground and just put your arm down. Uh, you don't need any equipment. It's just like, just give me a hand. I'll show you what to do. Whereas every other sport that's out there, you've got to have some something. something. Uh, you know, basketball, you need a basketball and a court. In tennis, you need the rackets, a ball and a net and all the rest of it. Uh, volleyball, same thing. Swimming, you need a big pool. You know, it's like, it's there's all those other things you need to do that thing. With arm wrestling, you can literally do it anytime, anyplace, anywhere mm. uh, with anybody and mm. regardless of their strength and, and experience. And I used to do that with people at the gym. <laughs> I would keep, I would deliberately keep a table in my car. Okay. And so anybody who showed any level of interest. At 2 a.m. At 2 a.m. I would go, come out with me to the car park for a sec. And I'd drag out the table and then I'd be like, so this is what I meant when I was like, yeah, just, and immediately I'm arm wrestling people at 3 a.m. in the car park. You obviously have like passion for it. (laughs) Yeah, I enjoy it. Is it addictive? Uh, I think that it's something that's fun. Yeah, I don't know if it's addictive as in I need to do it, but um, it's definitely uh, an activity that I really enjoy doing. Uh, and one of those things when I started doing it, I remember having to ask myself, do I want to commit to doing this because of the physical tax it, it takes on your body in terms of your arms are destroyed after you train? It, you know, because you're having fun, you, you're going absolutely crazy. And then in the gym, your arm's dead, you know, for, for a few days. And I remember thinking, do I want to, because I've been pursuing bodybuilding for so long, is this interesting and exciting enough for me to sacrifice the ability to train my arms as hard as I can at the moment in the gym? Uh, and I was like, I think it is. Uh, whereas a lot of things prior to that were like, I'm enjoying this, but I'm not giving up lifting weights for this. Mm. Whereas this, it was like, not that I've given up lifting weights, but it's like I can't train back as hard as I used to. I can't do biceps until when we train on a Sunday. I can't do biceps till Thursday. <laughs> you know, my arms are destroyed. But the enjoyment I get out of it is, is way, way above what I would have had if I hadn't done it and was able to train more. I'd sort of pursued that to the to the highest level that I that I could. Um, you know, over twenty two years of, of training. 
it's like, okay, well, this is, you've achieved these, these things. If you're continuing to train as hard as you're training, what's the improvement that you're going to get and how is your life going to change and how, what doors and opportunities are going to open if you do that instead of potentially doing this fun activity. Mm. Uh, and it wasn't going to improve much more of where I, where I was. Yeah. Yeah. And from that, you now are live streaming. You've got your podcast. That's yep. another interest on the side of it, isn't it? Yeah. Which is probably, you know, attracting you even more. Yeah. That's what's awesome about it is, you know, coming from that acting background and wanting to be on camera and wanting to do characters and, and do a performance side of it. Uh, I was, I met with Dave shortly after he'd, he'd started and he said, um, he goes, oh, do you want to want to do like a podcast thing? Um, I was like, yeah, okay. And he said, yeah, sure. All right. Uh, let me, let me get it organized and, and I'll let you know. And then it wasn't till like three months later. Uh, he goes, Oh, you remember that podcast thing I was talking about? I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He goes, uh, you want to do that this Thursday? And I'm like, okay. Yeah, no worries. And, and I'm expecting to turn up and it's going to be in his office and he's got a phone <laughs> and he presses record on the phone and that's it. When we turn up, it's like a full decked out studio. <laughs> There was a producer, there was like seven cameras and sound effects and, you know, the proper headphones and everything. And I was like, oh, okay. This Had he just set that up for this or? Well, he hired, so there's a, oh, okay. yeah, he hired a, a studio to be able to do it, right. which is absolutely amazing. And his idea was that he wanted to inter- in, interview interesting people, I guess, you know, similar as to what you're doing, uh, but from a combat sports background. Mm. And so we started that show and we did 12 episodes in that hired studio, uh, but it was reasonably expensive, which is very expensive to, to hire out that studio. It was $300 an hour, which mm. is absolutely insane to me. But... Uh, Dave said to me, like, this is going really well. I'm really enjoying it. Uh, why don't, why don't we just spend the money on getting our own equipment and setting it up ourselves rather than just hiring this place every time? Because, you know, it's a bit of a testing ground in a way. Let's see if this works. And then it was, it was working and it was a lot of fun. And it's like, okay. So we bought the equipment and we got, you know, the computers and the microphones and, and everything like that and got everything set up. Um, and have learned over the last two and a bit years how to, how to do a show and, and work at all yeah. yeah and it's like it's fun now like when i do this all those little things that have culminated over those years the, the little funny intros and the nuances and the jokes mm. and all of that that has this background from maybe a comment that we said two years ago mm. uh and the intro that i do for dave <laughs> is very very long <laughs> deliberately because i think it's funny <laughs> i keep adding to it <laughs> And I'll add another name every time I do the intro. Mm. So it just gets further and further. And then he's play, he plays along with that and he'll do actions to what I'm saying. And, uh, you know, I've, I came up with uh, the Dave Stockbridge of the Year Award, <laughs> which is a play on, we were talking about Hair Machine. I don't remember Hair Machine when they were around with Vince, uh, Vincent Ronaldo. And I thought it was how ridiculous how they had the hair machine of the year award and it was their own award they kept winning so like, well, who else is gonna win it <laughs> like salon of the year was the was their slogan mm. we're the salon of the year we've won the hair machine of the year award it's your own award <laughs> who else is gonna win it and so i turned that into the dave stockbridge award and uh, you know it was well your viewers are obviously watching looking at you guys having fun yeah so 
then it'll be enjoyable, won't it? Exactly. Especially if they're interested in what you're talking about. That's right. Yeah. Mm. That's what makes it fun for us is we don't really care if anyone's listening or not because we're enjoying it. <laughs> and we listen to it back just to laugh, you know. It's like this is fun and, uh, you know, you might, we might message each other or something with just a clip and like, this was hilarious with this bit. Uh, and regardless as to the viewership or anything like that, you know, it, it's, it's still low, like very low in the, in the audience numbers. But with the AWE, uh, the arm wrestling promotion is really starting to pick up steam. Uh, I'd say one of the main reasons is, uh, Ryan Bowen's influence with his massive audience and we're sort of riding on the coattails of that a little bit but with AWE we have put on very very high level production uh, AWE 1 and 2 were um, probably one, probably AWE 2 I would say specifically would be the best arm wrestling promotion or show that has ever been around <laughs> so in Australia or in, in the, the world, world. yeah right. okay yeah. But our, our, our level of production is super high end. Mm. We've gone that way deliberately. Um, it is like watching UFC. So we've got uh, 60 frame per second, 1080p streaming um, you know, live. Uh, we've got multiple cameras with really high definition quality. We've got the, the highest level um, sound systems and lighting. It was at Adelaide Oval, so it was like a world class. You know, it was in the octagon. Um, we had all the banners, everything like that. All of our athletes were dressed in proper gear. Um, sound was great, you know, looked awesome. The athletes competed were fantastic. We ran a whole ton of promos and everything at a level that nobody else can match. And nobody really has the ability to understand why what we're doing is working or what they would need to do to compete. Um, as I said, uh, probably say a lot because I talk about the UFC a lot and Dave rolls his eyes every time I do it, but because I bring it up constantly, obsessively uh, a fan of the UFC and I have watched exactly what they have done to become successful over, you know, since 1993. So was that uh, 7, 27, uh, 30 years? Yeah, so 30 years of um, their organization and seeing the mistakes they made, what worked, what didn't work, and why, and understanding intricately the moves that they made and the strategies that they've employed. And now I can use those skills or that knowledge into how we run the AWE. And, you know, building a story, building a character, and when you're putting a video out, it's not just going to be a highlights video of, oh, this guy is getting wins. It's like, no, 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 that's boring. Like, people are just not going to... They might go, oh, yeah, I, I enjoyed that. But if you want people to be invested in that person, you need to follow a rhythm of of high and low and high and low in your... It might be a one-minute video. You've got to tell a story in that. You've got to get the audience interested in that person. What are you actually trying to tell in this in this video? Because if you're not explaining a story when when you're putting a piece of content out, it's not going to be as engaging and people are not going to resonate with that person. Mm. So... That's what we've done with our content, and that's why people are really starting to cotton on to what we're doing, which is great to see. And one of your matches could be the same amount of time as a UFC match. Yeah, that's right. As far as they're quick, aren't they? They are quick. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. Uh, so we will do a first to four. Okay. For that reason, mm. <laughs> and we've chosen that deliberately 
again, from that aspect of what does the audience want to see? The audience wants to see some drama. They want to see a story uh, envelop here. And maybe somebody is very, very explosive and they can beat you in quarter of a second, but that explosivity, it comes at a cost and you get tired very quickly. And it's first of four, maybe three times in a row, you were able to win with explosivity, but now you're tired. And now your opponent has the ability to come back and it's like, he's tired. I know I can win from now. And then you've got that, oh, can he do it? Can he do it? He might get the, the next pin. So it's 3-1 and then it's 3-2. And the guy who's explosive is getting more and more tired every round. And it's like, it might go 3 all, And that's where you've got the pinnacle of, oh no, who's going to hold on? Who wants it more? You know, you've, mm-hmm. yeah, you've got that drama element. So when it's first to three or first to two, or even if, you know, if it's just first to one or that sort of thing, which you'll get in a tournament, the match is over and done. Uh, and you didn't really get to see that person's entire skill set because maybe that explosive person, yeah, their explosivity is gone, but they know how to get positions and they, they can recognize what their opponent will try to do, and they might not be able to use their ace of explosivity now, but they have a knowledge of being able to get this position, and nobody has seen them do that before. You know, you've got those other elements, Um Whereas somebody who might have really good endurance or who has um, uh, the ability to figure out what's going on throughout the match, they can find victory because of the length of the match, Mm. as opposed to you only get one go at it and you've just got to guess. (laughs) It's like, well, you guessed, you guessed wrong. Too bad that match is over. Thanks for coming. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, that's good on you. Yeah. Doing that. Yeah. (laughs) Hopefully one day it'll be as big. I hope so. That's what we're trying to make. You never know your luck. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we're trying to get there. Mm. Do you um, want to have a shout out or a plug to your um, club or anything like that? Yeah, sure. Uh, So the SA Titans Arm Wrestling Club, uh, every Sunday at Kilburn Community Centre, 5.45 to 8pm. It is free. Anybody can come along. As I said before, we've got all the equipment there. You just turn up. You don't need to let us know that you're coming or anything like that. You just walk in the door. And we'll come up and say, well, you don't have to be there at 5.45. You come in at 7 o'clock or anything. Uh, everybody is welcome to that. We've also got the AWE, the Arm Wrestling Entertainment. If people want to have a look at that on YouTube or Facebook. And we'd love it if people would subscribe to that. We're trying to push that up to over a 1,000 subscribers. I think we're about 8.50 at the moment. Uh, and, yeah, so and you can look at myself, which is uh, Hollywood Matt Connolly on Facebook, on Instagram. Uh, YouTube is where I put all of our SA Titans club matches and all of the content that is related to the AWE. And we've also got the podcast as well, the AWE podcast and the daily combat podcast as well. So doing a lot of, a lot of little things, but yeah, the daily combat podcast is where we first started with our show mm-hmm. in that professional mm-hmm. studio. Then we created our own studio. Mm-hmm. Eventually we kept turning every conversation into arm wrestling. We were like, we should just do an arm wrestling show because, you know, we don't, we've brought a boxer in and we're talking about arm wrestling. <laughs> so, yeah, the Daily Combat podcast is, is there as well. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Oh, well, thanks for having me in your studio. No, it's great. It's a novel idea for me. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah for yeah. sure. Great to have you. Yeah. Yeah. All Thank right. you. No worries. Yeah.